Hello and welcome to A Truth Universally Acknowledged with me, Harriet Minter, the podcast in which I try to write a book by crowdsourcing wisdom from other people who have written books and then realise that while that is a lovely way to spend some time, I still haven't written a book. In this week's episode, I talked to first-time author Lizzie Damalola Blackburn about her debut novel, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? Also, there's an update on where I am with my book and a little creative booster at the end of the episode to get your own creative juices flowing. First up, a little accountability on the book. After hitting a bit of a bump last week, I feel like I've got a bit of my groove back. I've taken the thousand words a day pressure off myself and instead I'm committing to writing a little bit each day, even if it's just notes on my phone that I can then pull into the actual book document at a later point. It all adds up. 200 words here, 200 words there. It does eventually create a book, hopefully. I was also given a brilliant boost by meeting up with some of the women from my writer's retreat last year. It was lovely to see them again, but mainly it was lovely to hear that we'd all had similar triumphs and struggles, and a lot of us were on similar word counts. I always fear I'm going too slowly, and so having the reassurance of others in a similar boat and at a similar stage was really affirming. Plus, it's just lovely to have a group of people to talk writing with. I highly recommend it. of talking about writing. This week I spoke to debut author Lizzie Damalola Blackburn about her book Yinka Where Is Your Husband? If you are a woman who was single for even one family gathering in her 30s I think the title will resonate. She tells me how she went from blogging to short stories and from there to a novel. What I loved about talking to Lizzie is that unlike me she really did her research about writing a book before launching into it so she has lots of great lessons she's learned along the way. We also talk about the representation of black men in culture and taking inspiration from real life. So this week I had the absolute privilege of reading a book that isn't yet published, which I always get very excited about when that happens because I feel like I'm discovering something that nobody else knows. And also it's a first book, so I'm really discovering it. And I think I've probably just discovered something that's going to be a bestseller because it's so good and we'll talk about why it's so good um so i'm very lucky to talk to the lovely lizzie demilola blackburn about her new book yinka where is your husband lizzie hello welcome hi how are you thanks so much for having me oh i'm so- and your kind words thank you <laughs> honestly i really enjoyed it and actually i'd love to ask you about this because i don't know kind of before you publish it how many people have read the book so far and how much feedback have you had yeah so it was just my agent obviously and my editors so even though my husband has been with me from the very start and that was like you know four or five years ago yeah he hadn't read it <laughs> <laughs> like he knew like the gist of it and you know the <laughs> what happened and certain like plots and things like that but i wanted him to read it at the very end Aww. once it was all kind of polished and and perfect in my eyes at least <laughs> I think it's perfect. I, it's actually yeah, a very, you. now you've said that word, it's a very polished book. It feels like it's had oh, work wow. and craft put into it. So let's tell everybody a little bit about it. So Yinka is the heroine and she is in her early 30s having that experience that so many of us have had in our early 30s where you suddenly look around and everyone you know is getting <laughs> married and having babies 
including your younger sister. And she's feeling the pressure from all sides. So she decides, this is it. This is the year. It's happening. She is going to find her husband. Tell me a little bit about why that was the subject you chose to write about. Yeah, so I started writing Yinka back in 2014, 2015. And I was in my, you know, early to mid-20s. And my own mum was like pressuring me to settle down. Maybe not pressuring me, but she was asking me quite often, you know, where's your boyfriend? You know, where's the husband? (laughs) So I kind of used my um, experience to write about a British Nigerian woman in her 30s who's going through the same thing. And funny enough, Yinka's story started off as a short story that I had on a blog that I ran at the time. Yeah, so um, the decision to turn it into a novel only came when I met this amazing author called Jackie Lay at this blogging workshop. And, you know, I wanted to get feedback on my writing, as all writers do. So I shared my blog with her. And in addition to giving me some really helpful, constructive feedback, she said, do you know what? I really like this Yika character. I think you should turn it into a novel. And so I said, okay. And I jumped into it blindly and the rest is history. <laughs> what was your blog about? So my blog was called Christian Dating Dilemmas. So at the time I was really craving for like mainstream fiction, romance romance genre with a Christian protagonist, but I just couldn't find any. I decided to do something about it. So on my blog, I had short stories all with like Christian protagonists and they all had like some sort of love dilemma. Amazing. I mean, it reminds me, I actually spoke to Aisha Malik um, for this series earlier, and she had a similar thing where she was like, why are there no stories about Muslim women dating? Mm. And that's how she came to write her first book, which was about a Muslim woman dating. And she said she pitched it as the Muslim Bridget Jones. And I think, I don't know whether we're kind of past this now or not, probably not, I think people are going to say that Yinka is the black Bridget Jones. Yeah, I've got that. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about that? For me, it's a a huge compliment. And, you know, I did draw on Bridget Jones um, for inspiration. Like, it's iconic. Um, At the same time, I hope my dream is that Yinka will be a standalone. And, you know, in years to come, people can compare not just books written by black authors to Yinka, but also by, you know, any authors of, the, of any race or background or whatever. Wow, that's a really good aspiration. I'm going to steal that aspiration. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you took it from a short story into a full novel, what were some of the things you had to do to develop it? So, like I said, I literally just jumped into it blindly. <laughs> I just started to to write and thought to myself, okay, I can flesh this concept out. And I didn't know what I was doing. So for like the first year and a half, I was just winging it. (laughs) So it just involved me like starting and stopping and starting again. And it wasn't until I read this amazing book called Story Engineering by Larry Brooks. And it's a a book that I recommend to all writers. And that kind of gave me my light bulb moment because I then realized that storytelling is a craft. And in order to write a story that readers are invested in and will engage with, then you need to have certain things such as compelling characters and conflict, structure, themes. It all sounds very basic, but like 
I didn't know no. that those were the ingredients at the time. <laughs> and, and so from that point um, forward, I started to invest in myself as a writer. So I started to attend creative writing workshops um, hosted by Spread the Words, who are amazing. Um, I did an online creative course by FutureLearn as yep. well. So I just, yeah, I just started to invest in myself. And that's when Stinker's story started to evolve and I saw a shift in my writing as well. So when you were saying... Um... I just sort of threw myself into it and stopped and started, stopped and started. I was like, oh, hard relate because that's how <laughs> that's how I feel right now. So I described, um, I've got a lovely kind of like accountability buddy who texts me and is like, how many words have you written? How many words have you written? <laughs> and I sort of say to her, I'm like, oh, I've written a thousand here and a thousand there. And she's like, a thousand here and a thousand there. I'm like, well, there isn't really a flow at the moment. There's more just like words on a page. Mm. And you're right which is like when somebody says oh it's actually about conflict it's about character development it's about kind of finding the beats of it mm. that is obvious but not when you're in it yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> please put the words down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how did you find that kind of switch to from I'm just writing to mm. I've actually got a plan yeah I think it was it wasn't overnight. Like once I read the book, I didn't like have all the answers like right in front of me, but I knew areas where I needed to work on. So I knew that for example, like Yinka needed to have a goal and there needed to be like things that would come that, that would get in the way from her achieving the goal. And that kind of needs to be in quite a few chapters. Yeah. Like there needs to be some sort of like conflict. So I think the book really helped me to look at what I've done so far and to kind of like see, okay, how can I embed some of my learnings into it? But I think once I've got an agent, I think she really helped because she's got a great editorial eye. And she was really, she really helped me to keep the story focused because I think with Yinka, it had even more characters than it has now, <laughs> believe it or not, and more storylines too. So it was a bit of a, a beast. So she really helped me to kind of narrow you know, narrow it down. So I think that's, it's interesting that you say that about agents, because I think we can think of an agent as somebody who just appears at the sales process and does the selling. How did you go about finding your agent? So with me, I didn't go through the traditional route of having to, you know, write a submission letter and query agents and getting rejected. <laughs> and, you know, luckily I didn't go through that because um, I got my agent or I met my agent once I won the literary consultancy pen and factor writing competition back in 2019. Mm. Yeah. So Nell Andrews, she was on the panel of judges. So when I won, we reconnected. And then to cut a long story short, she asked me for 50 pages of my manuscript and a synopsis. And then that's when she offered me formal representation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So would you yeah. recommend literary competitions? Definitely. For sure, yeah. What did you get out of them? Gosh, a list of prizes from editorial feedback from a professional reader from the TLC, amazing books, um, had a mentoring session with a marketing expert. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really good. And I think it's annually as well. So yeah, look out for it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the book because it is really, it's really fun, right? So for a start, let's talk about the characters because there is a host of characters yes <laughs> how did you decide if you had even more who you're going to keep in who you're going to let go 
and how you develop them. Yes, so um, I had to keep the ones where the ones that drive the story forwards and the ones that were kind of like in the background or just kind of like they don't really have much to say or just kind of an extra yeah. in the story I had to <laughs> let them go or they could be just mentioned but I don't need to kind of flesh them out yeah. if that makes sense and there were more aunties in chapter one <laughs> believe it or not but my editor said you don't really need to mention each one by name you can just kind of focus on like the main aunties yeah. the, you know the blood related aunties and just kind of say that they're there so they have a presence, but they don't have a name. So the readers don't have to remember who they are. So sometimes they can, you can just pick characters to be a sideline and just not focus too much on them. I really loved the development of the relationships between Yinka and her friends, and particularly Yinka and Nana, who you know you really see both of them grow as people, but also both of them grow as friends. Like that understanding mm. of actually how to support each other and how to challenge each other. Was that, when you talked about you know, looking, wanting to put in conflict, was that one of the places that you thought, that you looked for that conflict? That came much later on, actually, um, because my editors said that they wanted to see more of like Yinka's friendship circle yeah. and to see like the dynamics as well. So I really had to think about, okay, how can I make this true to life because with friendship you have your ups and your downs as well so um yeah that funny enough some of the genius moments in Yinka came towards the end <laughs> of like the editing process <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about Nana that I haven't seen in a book that I've read so far is that she is a romantic so actually I'm going to give it to you to give the definition of a romantic yeah, so um, aromantic people, basically, they don't experience, I guess, as much romantic feelings or attractions as, I guess, I guess your standard non-aromantic person would. I'm not too sure how to phrase that. So they, it's not the case where they don't have romantic feelings at all. It's just that they might not experience it as much or they might not have aspirations to get married or things like that. And I thought that posed a really lovely counterbalance to... Yinka, who is like in the book, she's like just she is looking for anyone, <laughs> anyone who is available. Um, but it posed a really lovely juxtaposition against her, which is I think usually we would see that character either as the kind of classic Bridget Jones smug married who already was married and had it all sorted, mm. um, or as somebody who was kind of so with it and together and sorted they didn't need anybody. And I really enjoyed Nana just being like it's just not there for me it's just mm. I don't see it in the same way how did you make that decision about her and how did you research her yeah so I always knew that I wanted Nana to be like different from Yinka because I feel like we have characters that are like opposite of each other they can learn something as well like from each other and the more Yink Nana's character evolved I just researched is there a name for that I didn't know that of the term aromantic until much later on. I think I stumbled across it on Twitter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, like maybe Nana could be aromantic and maybe it would be cool if like she doesn't even know that she is and then she finds out that she is. And I just really wanted to make sure that I did, that I gave Nana a fair representation. So 
I contacted an organisation that kind of is for aromantic people and they have a forum as well. And I shared some scenes with them and it was great to get the feedback that they really liked how I portrayed Nana and also how I showed how she discovered that she's aromantic as well because a lot of them could relate to that. So not knowing why they are the way they are and how comes they're different from other people as well. So that was very reassuring to get that that feedback. I think that's really interesting, particularly I love the vulnerability I think that is in kind of sharing the scenes you've written and saying, does this ring true? Don't tell me. Because Mm. I think is, um, you know, when you write something, you want it to be true, but actually we can't live in everybody's shoes, you know, so we need that feedback. The other really big theme that runs through the book, and we kind of talked about this in relation to your blog, is, and the thing that I think makes it kind of different, or certainly not something that I've read in mainstream fiction, is Yinka's really strong faith. And... Mm how that impacts both on her kind of on her relationships with men and on how she views relationships can you tell me a little bit about that and why you wanted to write it and kind of I guess how it influenced the story for you yeah so like I mentioned before I just kind of found it strange that I was finding it so difficult to find a mainstream fiction with a Christian protagonist and I feel like everyone should be able to find a book where they can see themselves or see characters similar to, you know, their class, their background, their race, whatever. And I wanted to show, like, I guess, the beauty of Christianity because I feel like, um, unfortunately, it does have (laughs) quite um, a bad rep in the media. Or, like, if you mention Christianity, some people might think that, oh, of the person shout on the street, you know. So I kind of wanted to show, like, the beauty of it and how Yinka has a very personal relationship with God and she sees him as a friend and someone that she can confine in and also how she's not perfect as, as well because Yinka lies quite often <laughs> <laughs> in the book to kind of get herself out of hot water and to show that you know we're all imperfect and that kind of what unites us and just to normalize a Christian a character being Christian yeah. in fiction. And I really loved that in doing that it then opened up lots of really beautiful scenes. So I loved all the scenes at the church. I mean, I absolutely <laughs> howled at laughter with um, you know, some of them when it was like, you know, 20 minutes into the first prayer <laughs> and, like, and decided what she was going to wear for it and all that sort of thing. And fighting for lunch afterwards and who got so mm. wet. You know, I thought that was just really, like, it really allowed like some really beautiful character moments and oh, thank you you know that if you would sort of said oh actually that's not the route I'm going I'm not showing that it would have felt yeah it would have felt samey right it wouldn't have had mm. that it's really lovely thank you what um kind of when you were writing it were there bits from your own life or your own experiences that you really wanted to put into the book yeah so the Christian part which I I mentioned also be, you know, British Nigerian, yeah. so kind of grappling between two cultures and not feeling British enough in some circles and not feeling Nigerian enough in other sort of circles. Um, and I, I felt like that was something that a lot of people could, you know, can relate to. Yeah. Um, I knew that I wanted to set the book in Peckham because I, <laughs> I grew up in Peckham for the first, you know, 13 years of my life. And I really wanted to kind of like pay tribute to Peckham and 
because of how it's changed as well. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to give readers a glimpse into how it was, you know, in the past. So yeah, those elements were yeah very important to me. One of the relationships that I thought was really interesting was Yinka and her mother. And particularly towards the end when she actually sort of starts to be honest with her mother and they have some more honest conversations and you really see the development of that character. And I think that there is so much richness in those mother-daughter relationships Mm. that actually we maybe don't talk about as much or we kind of let go because there were, (laughs) I don't know about you, but certainly my mother had many expectations that at various points in my life I have either failed to meet (laughs) or I have not met in the way that she exactly thought it was going to happen. How does your mother feel about the book? And has she read it? She has actually, she has. And it's crazy because my mum doesn't really read fiction. (laughs) Like the only book she's ever read is like the Bible (laughs) or she reads the Bible. Um, So, but yeah, she read within a week, (laughs) which was amazing. And um, she said, like when she was halfway, she called me and she said, wow, I'm so proud of you. Like, I can't believe this came from your head. And I really respect you as well for like writing this story and she loved it she loved the car she loved um all the the men (laughs) in in the book as well and yeah she was super proud of me and yeah do you think it changed how she saw you I think her level of respect just kind of went up 10 times higher (laughs) I think it's because she saw me like right in a way because I started Jinka when I was living back at home with my mum so she saw the process you know me working to like god knows what time you know me telling her that I'm writing this book not really having a clear idea about the publishing publishing journey and the industry but just knowing that you know I want to publish it and make it to a book so for her to see it in its infant stage to now it's you know currently out in the US and it's getting like positive receptions and reviews I think she's just yeah super super happy and yeah my mom's a Christian as well and she just you know she's always saying praise be to God (laughs) (laughs) you're getting the good press now it's okay (laughs) Um, I loved it we should talk about the men in the book because Mm -hmm. there is well a I think actually there are kind of three maybe four good men in the book (laughs) you know like they get things wrong and they do things wrong but actually they are fundamentally good men yeah yeah Yeah. did you (laughs) deliberately want to write that yes and the reason being is because Yinka is mainly like a black majority cast Mm -hmm. and I remember my husband saying that we don't really get this we don't see this enough so if you're going to do it make sure you give a fair representation of the characters in your book, especially black men as well, because sadly, like there's a lot of like negative kind of stereotypes surrounding black men. So I just really wanted to show that black men are not monolithic (laughs) and, you know, they're all different, have different personalities, traits and upbringing, et cetera. So yeah, I wanted to celebrate, I guess, black men too, in all their forms. I I think you definitely do that. And I think it's, what I really enjoyed about it was I think that it's really easy sometimes, I don't know if easy is the right word, but easy sometimes to, you know, make a hero and make a villain and kind of leave it at that. Mm. And actually what I really appreciated about 
the Menininka is that they all have good traits yeah. and they all have <laughs> things where you're like oh man what are you doing yeah and I thought <laughs> I thought it was really beautiful I really loved reading also just to add to that I think I wanted to show that just because things that work out like relationship wise it doesn't mean that the the guy is bad it, yeah. it could just be you know the guy's not for you so I wanted to show that too yeah I think that's such a good point right because we so much often look back at our own relationships and when you've had a bit of space and a bit of distance you can look at me like oh actually you weren't that bad but when you break up with someone you're like and let me tell you about this thing they did and then they did that (laughs) what was I even thinking (laughs) um there's a really great line that Yinka says uh towards the end of the book and she's talking to someone and she says look I just want to meet a man and get married and I know that's not a very feminist thing to say but that's just what I want Mm. and I thought it's such an interesting question because I think we I certainly have so I wonder who else has had that thing where almost you feel like you kind of can't admit that Mm. where you feel like you can't say actually I want a bit of romance and I want a bit of love (laughs) and you know I want somebody to come home to because you're kind of going against the narrative of a strong independent woman Mm. I just wondered that's something you were kind of thinking of when you wrote the book or you've experienced I think that kind of came much later on especially when it came to the therapy session as well and I actually spoke to a real therapist and I presented Yinka's story to her <laughs> to kind of like get her like real like life insights and I think one thing I took away from that session was you know wanting to find love is not a bad thing yeah. it's like it kind of what makes us human I think we all have that mm-hmm. intrinsic need of companionship or to feel loved you know in whatever form and I kind of wanted to show that, you know, that doesn't make you a bad feminist. <laughs> you can also be independent yeah. and strong and want loved, you know, want love or, um, you know, go out and try and look for it. Because, you know, take anti-blessing. Yeah. You know, you know she's a barrister. She, yeah, she's independent. She's strong. But, you know, she, she's still open to it. She might have been one of my favourite characters, I think loved her um, and also I think what's really great about and what I really liked again about seeing Yinka is like often and I know this sort of does happen in that she loses her job quite early on but quite often when we have female characters looking for love everything else in their life is a bit hopeless too but actually Yinka had a good job might not have been like the dream job but she had a really good mm. job she's got an apartment by herself she's got a great car mm-hmm. she's got good friends like <laughs> she was She's got a good life going on. Yeah, she's doing all right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just sort of, and it's really then, you know, it's then interesting, which is like one thing sort of goes a bit wrong and everything sort of slightly falls apart because she had that kind of, I guess, a wherewithal about her to begin with. She has the ability to put it it back together again. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you in your writing journey now? Yinka is, when did Yinka come out? So it came out in the US on the 18th of January and um, 31st of March, UK, yeah, worldwide, yeah. <laughs> and what happens now? Are you writing your next book? Are you are you taking a break? You're like, never yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm writing um, book two. I can't say too much about what it's about, but it is connected to Yinka's world. So I think fans will be very happy to hear that. 
it's still difficult. Like I literally thought writing <laughs> book two would be easier, but actually there's new challenges and there's a pressure as well of, of wanting it to be as good as book one. So I went through a really bad wobble last week of like second book um, syndrome <laughs> and I had to call my agent and basically cried on the phone, <laughs> but I'm in a better place now <laughs> after speaking to her. And I think it's just part and parcel of the process. Like you go through, through waves of emotions and I think it's something that, you know, all writers go through. Is there anything you're doing differently this time around from first time? Because I'm more aware of like what storytelling like entails and what good writing is, I think I'm just more aware of like like the story, if that makes yeah. sense, as I'm going along. I think before I would just kind of type whatever comes to mind and it'd be so quick and and I think that's great because I think that's where the magic comes in. But I feel like now I can't write in the same way. I'm just too aware of of everything. <laughs> so there's pros and cons of that. The pros is that I'm keeping like the conflict in mind. I'm keeping the structure and the character development. But the con is that sometimes I feel like I'm not giving myself enough space for the magic to happen. That's yeah. lovely. How do you think, for anyone else who maybe feels like that, who feels like, I'm doing the right thing and I'm putting the right structure in and I'm getting it down in the right way, but I haven't allowed some space for the magic. How do they find that space? Or how have you found that space? If you have, yeah. See, I call the magic the hum. That's my, my name for it. <laughs> and uh, I find once I really like, once I become obsessed with the story or an idea and I think about it and the characters are kind of running off of my head and even in the shower, I can't stop thinking about it. I think that's when it comes. So I think definitely kind of just think about your story continuously and don't see it as a, a chore or burden. I know sometimes it does feel like that, but try and see it as like an exciting project because um, you'll be surprised what that excitement can do. I love that idea. I love the idea of the hum, that it's just kind of always there as a little hum. It's lovely. I wanted to ask you, when you're writing in you know, it took several years to write. Mm. How did you keep the love for it over that time? How did you keep going? Good question. I just felt like I had a strong calling to write this story, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm a very spiritual person as well. And when I have that strong target in my heart, I can't ignore it. Like I wasn't even going to apply for the literary consultancy pen factor competition, but I had that same pulling <laughs> of my heart. Yeah. yeah. So I just couldn't let go of it. There were times when I did kind of put it to one side and the year that I got married, um, when I was planning my wedding with my husband, I did kind of take a step back away from Yinka. And I think it was good to have a bit of space mm -hmm. as well. But yeah, she just kind of like held into my heart and, and never let go. <laughs> <laughs> she is a good character for that. I can understand yeah. it. Oh, Lizzie, it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. And thank oh, you likewise. for writing such a gorgeous, fun, like, just bursting with life book I really really enjoyed it so thank you thank you so much thanks so much for having me as well it's been a pleasure yeah, loved it thank you that was Lizzie Damalola Blackburn and Yinka Where Is Your Husband is available for pre-order now and it's just lovely as we said in the interview it is the Black Bridget Jones and I really enjoyed that now as you know I like to end this podcast with a little creative boost something to get your creative juices flowing Inspired by my writer's meetup, this week's episode requires some collaboration. I want you to grab a friend or a partner, family member, etc. and go do something creative together. 
If you can't find someone willing to do this with you, then find a group you can try out instead. The aim is simply to be in the same space as other people creating together. You might have heard me talk about London Writers Salon, an online writing group which is free to join, so an hour with them would totally count, and you can do it from anywhere. You might also want to try out a life drawing class, go to a poetry slam, or simply write in companionable silence with one other person. But just experience the difference in energy of creating in the presence of someone else, how you can encourage and support each other, and maybe even show each other your work. Good luck. Now, this is still a very new podcast, so anything that gets the word out about it is much appreciated. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it on your social media. Tag me at Harriet Minter if you do. And leave a review on wherever you're listening. It will make my year. Thank you.